0: Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the virtual coffee break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. My name is Martin Manuel, and if you are interested or you have given a try to breed some of your dairy herd to be sires, this is a great episode to tune into. Today we feature dairy educator Marianne Morosky Discussing that very topic with the new feedlot educator from MSU Extension, Dr. Jared Jaboric. They will give you some insight in what to expect or what to look for as you include beef sires to your breeding program. Let's get started.
1: My name is Miriam Moraski, and I am a deer educator in the thumb. And with me today is Jared Jaborek and he is a beef feedlot educator also in the thumb. So, Jared, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about your background.
2: Thanks for inviting me. Like Marion said, I'm Jared Jabork and I am originally from central Wisconsin. I have a dairy and a beef background. I received my bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin-River Falls in animal sciences, and then I went to the Ohio State University and received my master's and PhD. While I was there for my PhD, I did some studies or some research looking at crossbreeding dairy cows with beef sires, and then also looked at marbling growth and development in beef cattle.
1: Well, thank you so much for being with us here. And that kind of brings us to today's topic. We're going to talk about beef and dairy crosses. In the dairy industry, it's become more and more popular to use beef semen on some of our dairy cattle. Now, whether this is the bottom third of our dairy cattle or just our heifers, there is an increased interest in this. The reason that we are talking about uh, this topic is because there are a few pitfalls and there is some information that's important while you're trying to do this or even if you're uh, looking to improve your dairy beef cross animals. So Jared, why would a a dairy producer want to cross beef semen in with his dairy cattle?
2: That's a very good question. So Obviously, dairy cattle and beef cattle have been bred for very different purposes, with dairy cattle being bred for milk production and beef cattle being bred for meat production or beef. And so that leads to some different advantages and disadvantages for a dairy steer that we'd be raising for beef production. Dairy steers marble very well, and because of the narrow genetic base, dairy steers usually are very consistent with one another. However, because they haven't been raised for beef production. Beef sires have obviously more muscling ability, um, more red meat yield, and usually marble a little bit better. So those are some of the advantages that we can capitalize on if we were to crossbreed these dairy cattle with beef semen. So when we're looking for a beef sire to mate with these dairy cattle, we wanna look for economically relevant traits that are gonna affect the value of those cattle throughout the beef supply chain. And some of those for the dairy farmer would be looking at calving ease and possibly even birth weight of those animals and the conception ability of those bulls. Because ultimately the dairy farmer wants to produce a live calf that he can sell and um, collect extra value on. And he wants that cow to produce that calf Um, without any reproductive um, problems or birthing difficulties and returned into the normal milking herd. And then for the feedlot producer, they're looking for traits that are going to affect the growth of that animal as well as the carcass composition of that animal. They want an animal that is going to grow relatively quickly. So you can look at traits as far as weaning weight and yearling weight as indicators of growth. And then also looking at muscling ability. Like I said, dairy cattle have not been selected for their muscling ability. So we need to add a lot of muscle to these crossbred animals. And we can look at ribeye area as an indicator of muscling ability for these beef sires. Another trait that's really important to consider is the marbling ability of that beef sire. A lot of these cattle are able to collect premiums for extremely well-marbled cattle. So like I said, the dairy breed does bring in some good marbling ability, but the beef cattle are actually able to capitalize on it a little bit further. So we want to select for marbling ability as well in our beef cattle.
1: I have a question. You know, you talked about lots of um, very important traits to look at when you're choosing a beef sire, but is it really easy to go from looking at dairy sires all the time and then opening up a beef sire book and being able to just pick one out? Are all of the numbers the same?
2: That's a very good point. So the EPDs are not going to be on a similar scale for comparisons between dairy and beef sires at all. A lot of the EPDs that they measure between the two are very different. So you have to have a good understanding of the direction of the EPDs, whether you want them to be positive or negative. And even for beef sires across different beef breeds, um, the EPDs are not comparable. They're on a different scale for each breed. So the US Meat Animal Research Center actually puts out a comparison tool or chart, if you will, for the different beef sires so that you can compare bulls across different breeds on a similar basis. So if you're interested in looking at bulls of different breeds, that's one tool that you may like to use.
1: What are some of the other resources that a dairy producer might have in order to make sure that they're choosing the right sire as they're looking at these EPDs and economic relevant trades?
2: Yeah, if you're looking for extra information on how to appropriately interpret the EPDs, usually the AI technicians or the stud service could be able to give you some information or they may have some information on their websites on what each EPD means and um, how to interpret those. You could also reach out to your local MSU extension agent whether it's on the dairy side or on the beef side and they could help guide you on how to interpret those EPDs as well.
1: So why don't we switch a little bit and let's talk about breed. As someone that works with dairy producers and and not very many beef, uh, I hear all the time how important, you know, oh, you got to have a black calf. So is that really the best thing when you're crossbreeding, say, a Holstein to a beef sire? Is that black calf the goal?
2: So that's a good question as well. The reason that we're trying to shoot for or produce a black calf is that we're trying to capitalize on the Certified Angus Beef Premium. And the certified Angus beef premium has 10 requirements in order for you to collect that or capitalize on it. And those animals have to meet those 10 standards. And one of those standards is that the hide has to be over 50% black. Now, that's not the only standard that that calf would have to meet to capitalize on that premium. They would actually have to have adequate amounts of marbling, meaning that they have to actually grade above average choice or greater in the up upper two thirds of choice or greater. There's also different requirements relative to back fat thickness, hot carcass weight, ribeye area, and they have to have enough muscling as well. So those are all hurdles that you would have to um, jump through to actually capitalize on um, having a black headed calf.
1: So it sounds like that's not the only important thing. Um, What other beef breeds would make good matches for uh, dairy cattle?
2: That's a common question that I get. Which breed is the best to use for crossbreeding with dairy cattle? And I don't like to advocate for one breed. What I like to advocate is that we need to select bulls that are superior for those economically relevant traits that I was talking about. Looking at bulls that have adequate calving ease, they have superior growth, superior muscling ability, and also excel in mar- their marbling ability. and If you're looking for bulls that excel in within their breed for those traits, usually that's a pretty good indication that you have a good beef sire. Um, Like I said, the US Meat Animal Research Center does have a tool where you can compare bulls across breeds. So if you want to take it one step further and say, you have the best limousine bull, for instance, and you want to compare it to the best simmental bull, you'd be able to see how, how different they are. You could actually compare them directly in that case. So you have a lot of options as far as Angus is pretty popular. There's Sim Angus, which is a cross between Simmental and Angus. There's Simmental. There's Limousine. I've heard that um, some people are crossbreeding with Charlet. So there's a lot of different breeds out there as options, but it's really important to consider those economically relevant traits. That's the most important.
1: So um, while you were at Ohio State, you did a project where you actually looked at crossing Jersey dairy cattle with uh, some beef sires. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Why don't you kind of give us an overview of that project and and what you
0: learned?
2: Yeah, so for some of my PhD work, we did a two year study where we implemented a crossbreeding strategy using beef sires on Jersey cows. And we looked at a few different breed options looking at Angus sires, Sim Angus sires, and Red White Goose sires. So when we were designing this study, we selected sires that excelled in marbling ability. However, you know, from things that we've learned, there's other traits that we should also be looking for, such as muscling ability. So in that study, we saw that the crossbred cattle typically had greater feedlot performance, meaning that they grew a little bit quicker and that resulted in greater final weights before we harvested those animals, so they had greater hot carcass weights. One of the problems with Jersey cattle is that they typically don't grow as fast and they have a smaller frame, so you have trouble getting cattle to the appropriate hot carcass weight size, and you can receive some discounts for those purebred steers. So that was one of the problems that we saw with that study, but with the crossbred cattle we saw that those cattle had a greater dressing percentage, they had greater back fat thickness, and typically they had greater marbling scores, them ranging from low prime to high choice, and then the purebred Jersey steers were around average choice. And then with the crossbreds, we saw that they had a greater total red meat yield compared to the purebred Jersey steers. So that means that those carcasses were producing more meat, more saleable retail product compared to the purebred steers. And then we also tracked monetary value or economic value of those animals and did a break-even analysis to see how much the feedlot producer could actually pay for those calves if he was to break even. And what we found there was that for the Simangus and Red Wagyu, they were actually able to pay at least 50 cents more per pound compared to the purebred Jersey calf they purchased them to bring them to their feed yard. So there was a economic incentive to raise the crossbred steers compared to the purebred Jersey steers in that study.
1: It sounds like this is a newer study and there hasn't been a ton of research done. Uh, Like this one you said it was in jerseys, but there hasn't been a ton of research done in crossbreds as far as you know what is the premium that should be paid and is the feedlot producer gaining that premium that they may pay for a calf back when that animal goes to harvest. So what do you know about any other research that has been done recently in crossbred cattle?
2: Yeah that's a good question. Uh, like you said there's not a whole lot of research out there from the crossbreeding side of things for beef sires on dairy cattle. Um, I know Penn State University is doing a little bit of research right now comparing crossbred dairy beef steers to just purebred Holsteins. And I believe that they maybe have a year or two of that complete and are continuing to work on that. They have some preliminary data on their website looking at feedlot performance and also some of the carcass characteristics. If you're interested in that, you can check that out. And then here at Michigan State University, there's a few of us extension agents and researchers that are interested in crossbreeding some beef sires to Holsteins as well, using a couple of different experimental designs. So we hope to be able to provide you with more information as far as the feedlot performance, carcass uh, characteristics, and the value that those calves should have as they leave the dairy farm as they leave the feedlot based on how much those cal are worth at the packer level.
1: It's a question for sure that I feel like there's not quite enough research data to really have some firm answers, but I know that you have been working to get some resources out there for dairy and beef producers uh, that may be interested in this topic.
2: Yes. I've written a few articles that you can find on the MSU Extension Beef Team webpage, or you can actually find them under my profile page on the website. If you go to the MSU Beef Team website and look under experts, you should be able to find my name and the articles that I've written. And there's some articles discussing some of the Jersey crossbred research that I was previously mentioning, and then also some of the traits and the importance of proper sire selection to breed these dairy cows with. And then back in December, we had a presentation on crossbred dairy beef production. If you're interested in that, you should be able to find that under the videos tab on the MSU Extension Beef Team website. If you're looking for upcoming opportunities later this month, April 21st, 28th, and then May 5th, we have a multi-state program taking place where we're going to discuss marketing, genetics and sire selection, and then some management tips. For crossbred dairy beef production as well.
1: So it sounds like there's lots of opportunities for uh, producers out there who want to find more information or are interested in learning. And, you know, uh, I know you and I are both interested in learning more about this and hopefully we'll be able to find some time and some funding to do a research project on crossbreds for Holsteins. So if you have any other questions about this topic, feel free to reach out to Jared or myself again. Um, you can find Jared by googling MSU Extension uh, Beef Team or just going to the MSU Extension Beef website if you already know it and visit it regularly. But I'd like to thank Jared
0: again for being with us uh, for our virtual coffee break this week. And thank you, Marianne, for that interesting discussion. A lot of good information for dairy producers in the episode today. For questions or more information, you can reach Marianne at mbuza.com at msu.edu that's m-b-u-z-a at msu.edu or you can reach to dr jared jaborek at jaborekj at msu.edu that's j-a-b-o-r-e-k-j at msu.edu join us next week when we further explore this topic as dr barry bradford Interviews researcher and farmer Dr. Donna Berry. This great season is just getting started, so I hope you'll join us then.